Hello and welcome to another rogue episode of Ramblings from a Reverie. The date is the 25th of February and the time is 9.26 a.m. EST. I felt the need to script and record this because I was under the impression that the local if not the federal government will not will be able to help the state of Texas recover from its current situation. It has been two weeks since the storms hit the Lone Star State and the quality of life is starting to resemble that of Venezuela under Nicolas Maduro. I would also like to offer my most heartfelt condolences to those who are currently suffering and to those who have lost loved ones to the squall. I was wrong to expect Senators Ted Cruz and Governor Greg Abbott to do all they can to help their constituents. The people of Texas need all the help they can get. I will be adding links in the description of this episode where you can contact organizations organizations that are trying to provide relief efforts to the people. Since I don't really have enough money to donate, I am working with a few neighbors who have relatives in Texas. I helped them pack some food and warm blankets yesterday and I'm hoping to do more tomorrow. If possible, uh, please try to donate some of your time and or money to the relief efforts. So the reason I recorded this, uh, so the reason I am recording this is because I wanted to talk about why the infrastructure failed in Texas because I thought that was interesting. But that conversation turns political way too quickly. So let's take a more scenic route and start with something a lot less political, climate change. (laughs) Oh God, that's... Climate change. Uh, I remember thinking uh, back when I was a kid that the term climate change is a little redundant because climate does change, right? Like, why is there such a hullabaloo about something like this? And in researching this, which it felt stupid for for some, uh, for firstly, because it doesn't. It even though. I, I went in, I started researching with the assumption that I already know all there is to know about climate change. And turns out I was wrong. <laughs> there is a lot more than, that even I was not aware of. Or stuff that I had forgotten. So this was, uh, this was helpful for me and I'm hoping that it will be helpful for you. So, yeah, coming back to the question. Climate does change, right? So why are people so up in arms about this? Turns out, climate does change. But not as frequently as weather. Okay, so studies in the field of archaeology, oceanography, geography, and other disciplines have concurred that the glaciers around the planet have frozen and melted due to climate change. Uh, well, not exactly. They didn't freeze and melt because of climate change. Yeah, it was never mind. I, I shouldn't ad lib. Oh god, okay. Coming back to the script. <laughs> uh, right. Glaciers around the planet have frozen and melted seven times in the past 650,000 years. Seven times in the past six and a, six and 650,000 years. Oof. 
that is a lot and it's okay to put uh, to put that in perspective humans or the earliest human being is recorded to be as the earliest human being or the earliest human skeleton skeleton found was around 2 million years old so humanity has survived s- climate change seven times over but that's um, <laughs> but but that was nature that was natural what is happening right now is not natural okay so let's come back to the script again when glacial ice melts it turns into water and flows into the oceans with me so far okay because the water is flowing into the oceans the sea level rises because of this and it submerges large areas of habitable land this is how islands are created now the fun fact the there used to be this huge chunk of land connecting the british isles to continental europe it was called dogaland and it was because of um, an underwater landslide that triggered a tsunami and that tsunami um, submerged the entirety of dogaland and we know this because um, shipping trawlers i believe that they called the shipping trawlers i'm not sure but yeah there are ships that have um, that like drag nets across the sea floor i think i've covered this in a story before so when they did that they uh, they caught a lot of shrimp and stuff but they also somehow sometimes some of them uh, came back with artifacts like uh, axes or like stone tools and uh, stone tools and stuff the stone tools is bone tools i guess or chunks of a hut or something like that and some areas which were accessible were excavated and we know uh, we know now that a lot of um, a lot of communities existed and lived in dogaland because it was prime real estate it had uh, equitable climate uh, equatorial climate <laughs> shit it had equatorial climate or at least climate that was good enough for people to not freeze and not hot enough to be the middle east or something so yeah uh, climate change has happened before and it will probably keep happening but the rate at at which it is happening is what is alarming okay so coming back to the script weather and climate are two different things it's like the difference between bulls and bison so bison are local to the us but bulls can be found in almost every country similarly weather refers to local changes in the temperature of a place okay local changes an example of this would be the weather of lakeside a town in wisconsin which i found because i've been watching the third season of american gods uh another example of this would be the weather of the city of copenhagen in denmark the weather changes based on the time of the year but the climate stays same throughout the year the climate of europe and america does not fluctuate as frequently as the weather of its towns and cities which is why it would be wrong to use the terms weather and climate interchangeably it would be the equivalent of calling a bison a bull 
or calling a bull a bison if you do that people will think that you were kicked in the head by either one or maybe both of these animals <laughs> uh, okay that was a lot of information to absorb so let's take a break i would like to thank whoever is listening to this rogue episode i hope that i'm not going too fast and and sorry if some of this is triggering anyway uh yeah uh, could you guys also just let me know <laughs> if possible uh what how the quality of the mic is I don't know how it is. It feels uh, like it's picking up a lot more than the previous one I had, the the one that came with earphones. <sighs> oh shit! I shouldn't breathe. Oh god! <laughs> I sincerely apologize for that. I'm so sorry. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I think that break should have been good enough. Let's get back to what we were discussing. that we understand the difference between climate and weather let's take a look at climate change don't worry don't worry i believe i that i have an apt analogy to explain this process um before we begin i would like to confirm that everyone who is anyone who is listening is familiar with the term dutch oven those who claim they do not know what it means are lying because they have done it to someone else <laughs> i don't know why i wrote this okay so for those of you who don't know uh, the dutch oven is a slang term for for when you are in bed for when you are in bed with another person and you pull the covers over the person's head while flatulating thereby creating an unpleasant situation in an in an enclosed space thank you google for that <laughs> i have no idea i have no idea why the people why the people who invented invented this foul technique decided to associate the dutch people with it i google it i wanted to know why it's called the dutch oven and it's because and google said that it's because dutch ovens used to be thick walled cooking pots with a tight fitting lid so the ex- the experience of being on the receiving end of a dutch oven was similar to being in a physical a literal dutch oven i i can understand i understand that i can see the similarities but i still suspect that this was a bit of a smear campaign not sure how successful this was but i apologize for the digression let's continue okay so the sky above us as well as the air in it has a lot of layers the one closest to the ground is the densest as we keep going upwards the air becomes less and less dense which is why you need equipment to breathe when you are too high up in the air it's also where airplane cabins are pressurized and the higher you climb the closer you will get to zero which is the vacuum of space in terms of density these layers act as a warm comfy blanket for the planet keeping it safe from uv rays and solar flares the layer is 
broadly known as the atmosphere, it also keeps the earth warm enough for plants and animals to live happy and healthy lives. Now imagine if someone used this blanket and that's happened to you. Oh god, why did I say that? <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Oh god, I regret that so much. Now imagine if someone Dutch ovens the entire planet. <laughs> Why did I do this? Why did I write this? How horrible a person do you have to be to consciously choose to do something so disgusting? Well, turns out that is what corporations have done by creating facilities that operate 24/7, 365 days a year, and they are essentially Dutch ovening us all the time. I am going to puke. Oh god. Okay. Uh are you with me so far? Great. Uh you are doing a wonderful job of keeping up with so much information. I am genuinely impressed by your resolve. Because <laughs> considering uh the content, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of uh, wrinkle brain in order to stick with me <laughs> and not just close the entire podcast and throw your phone away. Anyway, let's uh, move on to the next question. How are companies Dutch opening us? God, why did I write these things? <laughs> anyway. Okay. So the reason uh, okay, so how are they doing this? The, essentially in Okay, in how do I put this? This is not the only way that they are Dutch opening us, but it is the most relevant way because we are talking about why texas and the the broader point is why and how texas doesn't have electricity anymore right so i wanted to talk about how benjamin franklin the story about benjamin franklin harnessing electricity from nature during a lightning storm but i am not sure how accurate that story is because it if you think about it like practically it seems reckless and almost impossible and i haven't been able to find i didn't have the time to find enough sources to share the entire story but i did have enough time to learn about how electricity is made so in an insultingly short summary electricity is generated by turbines that provide mechanical energy to electrical generators electrical generators convert this mechanical energy to electrical energy and you can make your own generator at home the simplest generator consists of just a coil of wire and a bar magnet so when you push the magnet through the middle of the coil an electric current is produced in the wire because of how magnet um, magnetic energy interacts with electrons i believe i'm not sure i read this when i was 14 and i read this again and yesterday So it's it, a lot of stuff that I remember from back when I was 14 is coming back but it's very uh, jumbled. Okay so yeah when you push the magnet through the middle of the coil an electric current is produced in the wire and the current flows in one direction as the magnet is pushed in. So I understand that it is hard to conceptualize this and I have a solution for that. There are a ton of videos uploaded by kids and adults 
detailing the process of making these tiny electric generators for science fairs every year. I will be adding a few links to such videos in the description as well, along with what I already said. Now, there are two ways to get that turbine turning. One is the green method and the other one is the Dutch oven method. The simplest of green methods involves wind. You stick a fan on a turbine, hoist that thing up high and let the winds turn it all day every day. That is a wind turbine. It generates electricity without burning valuable coal that can be coal, petroleum, natural gas, whatever, that can be used in homes, at cookouts and other places. Right? Like, why would you waste coal like that? Anyway, uh, right, another thing I wanted to point out was that there is a huge difference between a wind turbine and a windmill. People tend to interchange, uh, use, uh, use these terms interchangeably, but it's, and it feels a little nitpicky to uh, describe or to state that it's wrong, but I feel like it would serve us a lot better if we got rid of, if we dispelled the misconceptions and made uh, a few proper boundaries around these two terms. So windmills uh, are, are pretty old and they used and they use the wind to help irrigate a farmer's land. The principle around in a windmill I believe is the Archimedes screw which is something that helps uh, scoop up water from underground uh, from the underground water table and uh, bring it up without uh, yeah it's just it's just that it just helps scoop up water it's it's f pretty fascinating i've seen uh, an archimedes screw in action i'll add a link to a video to that as well but yeah it does not require electricity it does not generate electricity it has no connection to electricity whatsoever I mean, yeah, the recent models do because it's a lot easier to use an electric powered windmill to get to irrigate your land. But yeah, a, wind, a windmill doesn't do that. Windmill has no relation to generating electricity. And they may be noisy because of the simplistic design. And because it's dealing with water, so the chance, the pro the possibility of rust accumulating at certain parts is high, and that is what causes the squeaking and stuff. But wind turbines are usually not as noisy, unless of course you're standing right under underneath it, then of course you can hear it. So wind turbines are well-oiled machines that are as silent as the wind that powers them. Windmills use the Archimedes screw to irrigate land okay I hope you guys are with me so far another green method is the use of hydroelectric dams like the Hoover Dam they have this gigantic turbine that turns whenever they release the water being held back by the dam it's a simple and clean process that produces energy again without wasting valuable resources I mean it does take a lot of electricity but then it does it does like generate I think it balances out I'm not sure I didn't get to read up on the Hoover Dam as much I apologize for that I should have done that 
but uh, yeah it's it's like this turbine is around it's it, the turbine is at ground level and they let the water flow in from really high so that the distance between the distance the water has to cover makes it a little heavier no yeah the water hits the turbine hard and it helps the turbine turn and electricity is produced i think i'm over explaining this <laughs> i apologize for that uh right let's return to the script there are other methods as well that utilize the energy of the sun and nuclear energy but i like the turbine thing so we'll stick to this it's also relevant because i've heard a lot of people criticize wind turbines and a few other things okay so let's take another break i'm sure that this was a lot to wrap your head around it is interesting to see how creative applications of regular ideas such as dams and fans could be used to make life a whole lot better for a whole lot of people i know that this isn't exactly the most ideal solution because birds suffer from wind turbines fish suffer from hydroelectric dams there are easy remedies to both both of these problems but i understand why people tend to look at these particular problems and declare the entire concept a waste of time it's it's easier it doesn't require much brain cells to just say no and dig your heels in but i think we are at the point where we need to improve upon ideas rather than motivating people to quit pursuing that idea anyway uh anyway uh, let's resume we talked about green methods of using turbines and producing electricity right now we get to the smelly stuff <laughs> Now we we'll talk about the Dutch oven method. Da da da. I don't have sound effects. I'm too poor for that. <laughs> the concept is the same. You need to move the fan and the fan turns the turbine, but the technique is a lot more complicated. In the Dutch oven method, you take a bunch of water, you boil it to the point where it is just steam. Then you release all the steam through pipes. The pressure with which it hits the fan get gets it moving. because because there's a lot of steam being condensed being forced into tiny pipes and yeah that's it just high pressured steam and the rest is history the method this method is using up two count them two two valuable resources one is of course fossil fuels like coal petroleum natural gas whatever and the second one is it 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 really grinds my gears because the second one is water or however you say water war war i shouldn't do that i i shouldn't do that i sincerely apologize for like doing that let's, let's move on quickly um the same the exact same method is used by thermal power plants and other facilities that operate 24/7 and use non-renewable resources for those of you who don't know what the term non renewable resource means it's i understand that it's a mouthy term and it has a lot of consonants and vowels 
the term the term defines resources such as oil water sorry <laughs> uh, i should do that oil water natural gas etc that are not as abundant as sunlight or wind so burning non renewable resources releases tends to release gas into the air these gases act like farts in a dutch oven they create a scalding and toxic environment poisoning the land and the sky it destroys the atmosphere i.e. the comfy blanket this is what leads to extreme heat waves and freak winter storms because the comfy blanket that acts as a filter and keeps the earth's climatic fluctuations in check is being torn and tattered because of all this stupid dutch ovening i shouldn't say that it sounds like i'm racist against dutch people that's not true right i i don't like this term uh i hope whoever is listening to this can understand how infuriating this is like we've been subjected to decades of dutch ovening and we haven't shut this down yet i know people uh, oh right dude <laughs> i know people who got spanked so hard for dutch ovening their siblings that they swear to this day that it cost them the the ability to sit properly oh god okay okay i shouldn't get carried away we still have things to go over uh let's summarize uh once let's summarize what we have learned or what we have discussed once more before we continue we learned about climate change and the difference between climate and weather we talked about wind turbines and the difference between wind turbines and windmills and we also talked about hydropower dams we discussed non-renewable resources and the consequences of using non-renewable resources to create essential commodities such as electricity and personally i do not blame people for not being able to transition from or being scared of transitioning from non-renewable to renewable resources it is new and change is difficult however i think that the purgatory being faced by the people of texas at the moment is a sobering reminder of what the future could be for us if we don't undergo this transition as soon as possible the consequences we collectively face if we refuse to ramp up the process of transitioning to renewable energy how much worse than the consequences we will face by transitioning and i understand the fear and uh, paranoia surrounding this like a lot of people are completely dependent on jobs in oil or coal or natural gas or something like that and losing that could mean losing a lot more right so more most most people who work in such departments or work in such uh, occupation work in such conditions are usually the sole uh, the sole breadwinners of their family right and they don't want they don't know whether there is a safety net that will keep them from starving or keep their children from starving so it's they're trapped in a vicious cycle and for those of us who do not have uh, who are not trapped in this particular vicious cycle 
what we can do to help is we can learn more about our energy infrastructure not just here in the us but also in different parts of the world we can push our elected leaders to stop companies from that's happening us over and over and over and over and over again ha huh. okay i am a little tired and hungry so i'll stop here i hope that this helps simplify some of the key components of this entire debate that's going on around the green new deal and what's happening in texas and i hope that this was helpful in dispelling some of the misconceptions and fears people have around the idea of climate change i am really 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 thankful for the one person who listens to all regular and rogue episodes you are the most important part in all of this you are the reason why i feel motivated to make notes scripts compile data from research and present it every week thank you so much for tuning in and now i am going to tune out Bye-bye.